0: Just go to indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the Forty ers over at NinersWire.com. Part of the Part of the We Got This part of the usa today sports media group hey i went through this intro like the 49ers went through their game in seattle which was sloppily we'll talk about that with chris beaterman of course he will join me shortly he covers the 49ers for the sacramento b and chris and i are going to talk about whatever the hell just happened at lumenfield we're recording this sunday night let's get it into
0: it Blue liar. hey this is george kittle and you're listening to candlestick chronicles
1: pass. Caught by Kittle. He dives. And he's in. Touchdown. 49ers. Chris, I wasn't gonna wait until tomorrow to talk about whatever that was. You were eager. You were eager I to hop on. I was very eager. I was Eric eager. Shout out Pro Football Focus. Oh, but wow. yeah, that's a deep cut. <laughs> the Seahawks did to the 49ers, and we'll peel back some layers here but the 49ers lost to the Seahawks 30 to 22 in case you missed it. And the Seahawks did to the 49ers what I think the 49ers are terrified of teams doing to them. And that was selling out to make sure that Elijah Mitchell wasn't going to beat them and bringing nine guys into the box and saying, great, let Brandon Ayuk go one-on-one let, Trent Shurfield or Juwan Jennings go one-on-one and we're going to make Jimmy Garoppolo beat us. And he couldn't. He threw two two interceptions. Um, He missed a wide-open Kyle Juszczyk down the sideline. Um, He had a fourth down pass to end the game batted down. It was a... It was the exact kind of game when you're looking big picture. It's the exact kind of game. Why the 49ers traded for Trey Lance because they made mistakes that they just couldn't overcome. And that was a bad Seattle team, a really bad Seattle team that the 49ers looked early on after the fake punt that went 73 yards for a touchdown, which is a whole other problem. They looked totally unprepared for that. But after that play, they got it back under control. They they get a turnover and they immediately tie the game. And then they go up 14-7. They go up 23-14. And then Russell Wilson just went off. And the 49ers defense didn't really have an answer. And by the time all the dust settled, my takeaway was the Seahawks gave the blueprint for beating the 49ers. And I don't know how they combat it.
2: Yeah, the only way the Niners, I mean, so my takeaway, I I agree with everything you said, but my takeaway from the game was a little bit different in that I thought it was a lot of just self-inflicted wounds, right? And and part of that was Jimmy Garoppolo throwing two interceptions, one of which led directly to the go-ahead touchdown uh, that the Seahawks scored in the third quarter. The Niners didn't score in the second half at all, Yeah, Um, but... In terms of like self inflicted wounds, like the special teams gave up a touchdown for the second week in a row. Mm-hmm. You remember from the matchup against the Seahawks in October, special teams were abysmal mm-hmm. uh, and played a major role in the Niners losing that game. And so special teams were an issue. 10 penalties, obviously an issue. Um, the defense, you know, I got pushed back on Twitter saying that. You know, the 49ers had had issues in all three phases today, including defensively. And I understand that, you know, the defense got three turnovers and played well enough for them to win. But, you know, that drive at the end of the second quarter, when the Seahawks responded to George Kittle's touchdown, like if the 49ers go into halftime uh, up 23-14 and get the ball after halftime, you know, you feel pretty good about it. You feel and don't pretty good. fumble the kickoff. Yeah, and don't fumble the kickoff, obviously. But like you feel pretty good about where the 49ers were based on how the first half went. It it was another it was another game in which the Seahawks went five possessions without getting an offensive first down. Their only first down was sort of a technicality. It they're they credited with the first down for that fake punt that went for right. a touchdown. Obviously a special teams mishap. Um but, you know, the Niners scored 17 unanswered points
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they sort of weathered that early storm from the fake punt. And you're like, all right, this feels a little bit like the Jaguars game, right? Where it's like they're pro- they're probably just going to roll a bad team here. And, you know, I even tweeted out like the 49ers might even run. You know, it looks like they're going to run 40 times again um, because they were at like 15 early in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And but your your points well taken in that. If you put Jimmy Garoppolo in a position to where he has to win from the pocket and make plays downfield because you're in second and third and long because you're not running the ball as effectively as you normally do,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then there's a good chance that he's going to throw an interception. And those interceptions that he throws, like, I feel like I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo throw both of those interceptions 25 seconds.
1: It's the only interception he throws. <laughs> it's into a linebacker's chest or into a safety's chest.
2: Yeah. He airmails somebody over the middle and goes right to a safety, or a linebacker undercuts something. Like the it's it's wild how all of Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions look the same. Um, but that aside, I I mean, my so my other takeaway was that as bad as this loss was, just in a vacuum, just looking at the loss itself. Minnesota lost, uh, Atlanta lost, New Orleans lost on Thursday. Um, You know, Washington won, but it could have been a lot worse for the 49ers from a standings standpoint. Mm -hmm. Like they're still in the seventh seed. And if I check 538 and their playoff predictor, even after losing to Seattle the way that they did, the Niners have a 62% chance of making the playoffs based on just you know, their probability and whatever algorithms they use. Mm -hmm. And also if they beat Cincinnati next week, which we'll have plenty of time to talk about, but they'll have an 82% chance of making the playoffs in that case. So they're six and six, Um, man, it's just a terrible look for them to get swept by the Cardinals and Seahawks in the division. And like the the division thing sailed a long time ago. Right. Right. We're not I'm not saying the Niners would we're still in the running for the division, but just from a psyche standpoint, like that's just an awful development from the season to get swept by two division rivals already.
1: And a and a and a division rival, the Seahawks. I don't think it was like because a lot of the focus was on Russell Wilson's record against the 49ers and and the Pete Carroll has ownership over Kyle Shanahan or whatever. The Seahawks were last in total plays, last in plays per drive, last in time of possession, first in punts. They yeah. were the well, like league's worst offense. They'd scored 28 points in the 3 games since Russell Wilson came back. They scored 30 today.
2: But it felt like it, they were going to snap back.
1: Right, sure. just li- like they were, a, like it it felt bit. like
2: That they were going to revert to the mean a little bit, like it didn't. It didn't feel like an offense with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett would be that bad.
1: Sure, and they weren't weren't good today. They weren't,
2: huh? The Seahawks' offense wasn't particularly good today. Like Russ got going in the second half, but they still averaged four point eight yards a play. They only had one hundred eighty-one net passing yards. Niners sacked them four times. Like they
1: did sixty-five plays. Yeah. They turned the ball over three times. It was, it was there for the taking, Right. And that's, that's, that's the part to me that stands out. Like I, your points taken on the fact they're six and six and your points taken on the fact that, you know, the Vikings lost to the lions and um, the bears lost and the giants lost and the saints lost on Thursday. So, I mean, all these teams are falling off, and the 49ers are still sitting at 500, which is good enough for the seventh seed right now. What Washington overtook him for the sixth seed. But this is supposed to be a team, and this is the lens I'm viewing this through because they rolled with Jimmy Garoppolo this year because they wanted to be Super Bowl contenders. That's why that Jimmy Garoppolo gives them best, the best chance to win. They think they can win a Super Bowl, so they're going with Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, fine. But that then becomes the lens that you have to view everything through. And I understand that it's a division game and division games are weird. Like the Saints, I think, swept the Bucks this year or swept the Bucs last year. Like it just division division games are odd. They're the stuff happens. But what jumped out to me was a lot of the mistakes that were killing the 49ers early in the year when they started three and five kind of reared back up on Sunday. Yeah. And now if they had gone in and just taken care of business in Seattle, where they, you know, let's say they just controlled that game. They go into half up 23, 14, and they, they win it 33 to 20 or something like that. You just, you look at Cincinnati and go, wow. Okay. Now that's a winnable game. And all of a sudden you go, this is a team that can really get on a roll. Peter King said they could be this year's bucks. Bucks, I think, were seven and five and then went on a run and they didn't lose again.
2: I really disagreed with him when
1: I saw it, that he wrote that. <laughs> sure. Right. It was right. It seemed outlandish. But that's, again, that's the standard that they set when they rolled with the quarterback that they rolled with. They they, they have Trent Williams and George Kittle and Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and a $25 million quarterback and Debo Samuel and Brandon I. Ayou- this is a team that should be in that conversation. And when they make the mistakes that they made on Sunday, this wasn't a one-off. Right, This was bad interceptions from the quarterback. It was bad special teams plays, bad penalties. The, the Arden Key uh, 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 roughing the passer on Russell Wilson was just inexcusable. Like, what you know. are you doing? He launched himself head first into the quarterback. Charles Omenahu. I get that the rule may not be fair, but you cannot land with your full body weight on the quarterback. Like, that's a, again, I'm not necessarily blaming him for it, but the Dante Johnson hit on, on um, was it Gerald Everett? I believe so, yeah. On a third down late in the game, he flies in super late and goes high on the guy. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that you can't do, but they've been doing it all year. How many games have we walked away going, How ah, the penalties, all the turnovers, all the special teams mistakes, like, that's, it. like, at some point, we're 13 weeks into this. Yeah. And that's, again, that's the prism that I view this through, is like, is this a team that's going to go on a run, or is this a team that's going to limp into the playoffs and get housed in the first round? And they looked a lot like the latter today.
2: Yeah, they did. I, I think, I would expect them to play better than they did in today than than a playoff game, but sure I think you I think you make a really good point when you say a lot of the same issues popped up and and when you say that I think of the cornerback situation right mm-hmm. we spend so much time talking about how bad the cornerback situation is Josh Norman is burnt toast I'm sorry but like there He's were a lot a of plays anymore. there were a lot of plays even when he wasn't burned for a completion where he was just not in good position and he right. was burnt and they were and they um, had
1: him following DK Metcalf <laughs>
2: I mean that you when they when they lost Emmanuel Mosley that was really the only I mean it's kind of wild that we're we're to the point where there's such a drop off from Emmanuel Mosley to the other guys Exactly like Emmanuel Mosley is one of your most important players and that's and not em- a knock on Emmanuel Mosley but like he's fine he's good but he's not a pro bowler he's not a star cornerback right so like you lose Emmanuel Mosley you put Deamador Lenore in the game Lenore gets picked on. He gives up a third and 14 to DK Metcalf. Um, he has just a really terrible pass interference penalty in the end zone that leads to Adrian Peterson's one-yard walk-in touchdown um, where he was out of position just sort of from the jump and then tried to recover and then committed the pass interference while trying to get back to the receiver in the
1: back of the end zone. And then whiffed a tackle yeah, a, yeah. And a and then Eskridge a Tackle
2: on, on D. Eskridge on the touchdown just, just before halftime. Um, so those were the defensive issues and, and it speaks to the broader issue, which is what's happening at cornerback. And then because De'Amador Lenore is not good enough, you need to put Dante Johnson in the game. And then Dante Johnson later on has that penalty. I forget if that, if that penalty lets any points for, for Seattle. And I think um, it was
1: on uh, the drive where Everett fumbled for the second time.
2: Oh, right. What right near, the, near the goal line. Right. And if Gerald Everett,
1: Gerald Everett, Gerald Everett, Gerald Everett 49ers MVP
2: yeah he he basically dropped a touchdown and kicked the ball right to K1
1: Williams which was a which gift. do you remember that happening against Cleveland too in 2019? Yes. Williams I had do. almost the exact same interception against Cleveland a couple I years do. ago. Yeah
2: yeah. <laughs> um Insane. Yeah, it should have been a touchdown in that one also. Um and then Everett fumbles again. It was uh, Nick Wagner had the had the stat. I think it was the first time a team has ever won with two turnovers, two giveaways inside the 5 yard line is just it's impressive impressive but yeah but- it was it was a game where all the typical issues that we talk about with this team so often pop up mm-hmm. jimmy garoppolo's throwing interceptions the niners can't cover anybody um you know nick bosa had a really nice game eric armstead had a really nice game dj jones was excellent dj jones was excellent aziz Shire was excellent again but you know it doesn't it doesn't matter if you can't cover on the outside really yeah. Um, so that was that I think you make a really good point in that the, the issues that have been prominent all season, um, reared their ugly heads again today, but the good news is this, what, like if this happened last week against the Vikings, it would, it it would feel significantly worse, Mm -hmm. right? Because you look at the standings and with the 49ers at six and six. Right behind them is Philadelphia at six and seven. Niners own the tiebreaker against Philadelphia. Behind them is Minnesota in the ninth spot, five and seven. Mm-hmm. Niners own the tiebreaker against them. Carolina's five and seven. Niners aren't going to play them this year. Um, so that's a little bit worrisome. But then behind them is Atlanta at five and seven. And the Niners are going to play the Falcons coming up in a few weeks. So you're in, you're, you're still in a good spot. Yes. And so the timing of this. And just the opponent and where things are with with the standings, it doesn't absolutely crush them for the season. Like last week's game, I think what what was the probability on on five thirty eight? If if they had lost last week's game to Minnesota, they would have had like a twenty five percent chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, compared to seventy five percent chance had they won, something like that. So their probability dipped a little bit, but they're still in a pretty good spot. So. If there is a silver lining, it's that a lot of these things, with the exception of the cornerback situation, are, are pretty much correctable, right? And, no, and so we'll have to see what's going to happen with Emmanuel Mosley's ankle, if he's going to need to miss time. Um, Kyle Shanahan didn't really have an update on the severity of that ankle injury, other than to say he it wasn't good enough for him to come back into the game, which is, which is problematic. So um, it might be a few weeks, which would really be an issue. Um, and, and maybe it's time for Ambry Thomas to to get some burn if, you know, if D'Amador Lenore just isn't good enough right now, which seems, <laughs> which seems plausible. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, we, we've harped on the cornerback stuff a lot and I don't want to keep harping on it. But the, the main thing with the cornerback situation, which was apparent today, there are so many good receivers in the NFC and you're going to play no matter who you play in the playoffs. Right, Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Dallas, and the Rams. All those teams have elite receivers. Yes. All of them. There yes. is not a team on there that doesn't have elite receivers. Correct. And Josh Norman is currently your best cornerback. And Norman has one skill, and it's punching the ball out occasionally, but he can't cover anybody. And Emmanuel Mosey is your best cornerback, and now he's hurt. It's It's just it's a real problem for the 49ers. And that to me, it feels like as big of an issue as Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions.
1: Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And the issue is because you, you, you brought up a good point and you said something to the effect of, because I, I bounce all my ideas off of Chris (laughs) during, (laughs) during games. And Chris, you made the point that, you know, not teams like just look at NFL teams. Teams don't go four and five deep at corner. Like that's just not that's just not feasible with a with a roster unless you want to do that and sacrifice in a bunch of other areas. And I get that. And I think that's an important kind of kind of point to hold on to. But at the same time, the issue with the Niners is not that they don't have a have a fourth and fifth corner the issue with the niners is that it's emmanuel mosley and then a cliff yeah and then their number two corner is way down here where most teams like fourth or fifth corner is right and that's that's the problem that's
2: that's the problem because you put so much misguided faith in jason verrett
1: right or misguided faith in Ambry Thomas or Diamandor Lenore, who in this season are swings and misses in the draft. So, like you said, that's a huge problem. Jimmy Garoppolo is a problem. And that that's why when you zoom out from this game, okay, they're still 6-6. Six and six. They're still in a great spot to make the playoffs. They could go to Cincinnati and play a really good game and win. But when you look big picture, it's like, do you trust this team going on the road in the playoffs against pick an opponent no no and that's no, but that
2: that doesn't the, the sunday's game against the seahawks does not change did, didn't change my opinion of that though
1: the fact I mean, that it they didn't it did, it, it did, but it didn't. it
2: didn't change it I, I didn't go in trusting them to,
1: to go beat a better team than them in the playoffs so i was getting there yeah and again had they gone in and Obviously, they weren't going to run it forty times a game, but the problem that jumps out to me is that they didn't have a changeup. They didn't have an off-speed pitch to throw when the run game got stopped up. It was like you know, Garoppolo threw a couple nice passes on that on on that last drive. The the out route to Ayuk on the on the first and twenty, I thought was a really nice ball. Um, But like (laughs) even the The Willow to kill. The will play probably could have been a touchdown. Yeah. yeah but he under, First play he, of the drive when he him because he overthrew the one to use check earlier in the game. Yeah. You know, so it's just like these, these things popped up that, that really put doubt in my mind that, okay, well, if a team stops to the run, they have an adjustment because it's, it's clear right now that, that they don't. And, is Jimmy Garoppolo capable of going and beating a team when the defense puts nine in the box? Sure, he's capable of it. But are you going to bet on it? I'm not. Right. And Sunday's game just... Because we talked to Joe Fan, We talked to Mike Salk, two guys, two Seattle guys. Um, I heard Danny Kelly, friend of the pod. I heard him talking on, on, on another podcast about how awful everybody talked about just how bad the Seahawks team is and how there's really no, no solution in sight. And the solution turned out to be playing the 49ers (laughs) and that's not a good place to be in. (laughs) Yeah. When you're the get right team, that's not awesome. Hey, guess what? Everybody, the 49ers are back in the playoff race. They're actually the number six seed after beating the Vikings and Maybe now you want to get out to a game or maybe with the holidays coming up, you want to get some 49er tickets for that special 49er fan in your life. Well, hey, guess what? You should use TickPick.com to acquire those tickets. And let me tell you why. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. So TickPick got rid of those those like fees and charges at the end of, you know, you go and you find your tickets, you find these awesome seats and you get the price and you go and you look, and then the price is way more than you were anticipating paying because of all those fees. Well, TickPick got rid of those. It's unbelievable. What you see on the seat, your ticket, that's what you're paying. They've eliminated the fees. They've eliminated surcharges and it allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Now, the 49ers are going on the road for two weeks. They're going to be in Seattle, and then they're going to be in Cincinnati. And then they come home to face the Atlanta Falcons, who are also in the thick of the playoff race. So that could wind up being a huge game. And you're going to want to get your tickets now because those tickets are going to go fast. So head down to TickPick.com Candlestick right now. Go do that. Get tickets for yourself. Get tickets for your friends or your family, all the special 49ers fans in your life, with the holidays coming up, this is a perfect way to show them how much you care. So check that out at TickPick.com Candlestick today and save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com Candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Tickets.
2: So Trent, Trent Williams was asked, and he, and he gave a pretty candid answer about the run game struggles after the game. And he basically said what the Seahawks were doing was loading the box and preventing the 49ers from double teaming any of the Seahawks defenders, right? Because mm-hmm. typically what the 49ers like to do is set double teams on the edge right so they have you know Trent Williams and George Kittle for example will double team somebody at the snap and then Kittle will move on to another defender at the second level and make a block there and the 49ers sort of blocking as a play goes on evolves right like just two different levels of the defense mm-hmm. but if they can't double team somebody from the jump because there are too many bodies at the line of scrimmage, then it makes it, it, it takes all that away.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: And so that's, that's the difference between the running game that we've seen from the past three games to this one. And a question I, I always had about Jimmy Garoppolo even before that was, can the 49ers consistently win games when the running game isn't going like that What Jimmy Garoppolo Mm is your quarterback. And today, to your point, was a classic example of no. And the difference ultimately between what makes Jimmy Garoppolo him versus the elite quarterbacks of the league is you need to be able to win games in in a multitude of ways. And that's why the teams that are capable of passing the ball 40 times, 45 times every week, tend to be the teams that are most successful. Like if you have Patrick Mahomes and he's passing 40 times a game, he's probably going to put up four touchdowns and 350 yards. Right.
1: <laughs> right.
2: So like that when you can win with Jimmy Garoppolo, but it has to be in a very specific way that is difficult mm-hmm. to repeat over and over again, mm-hmm. because that's your one formula. Right. When you talk about not having an off speed pitch, the Niners can't go tempo and pass the ball 50 times and take and, and catch catch teams off guard right like the niners mm-hmm. have to be deliberate they have to control time of possession they have to you know run the ball um, 30 or 40 times and they have to do it efficiently so they get to short third third down situations where they're more likely to be good on third down the 49ers were 3 of 10 on third down today right and <sighs> they they during their three game winning streak they converted 50% of their third downs. 50% yeah. is great. Like if you're I think you're, you're
1: you're near the top of the league.
2: Yeah, you're near the top of the league over full season if you're near
1: 50%. 30%s like bottom of the league.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Th- that's the difference. <laughs> like 30% per- the, the most teams hover between 30 and 50%. I think the Seahawks are worse in the league coming into the game and they're at 32% this week. Um yeah. so but that that's that- the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. That is always going to be the thing. He, you can win with him, but you have to win in a very specific way. And mm-hmm. when you need to win other ways, he hasn't been able to do that in a way where you feel good about it. And Kyle Shanahan's acknowledges much. And so that's, that's why this season has always felt, that's why his decision to stick with Garoppolo has always felt so limiting. Mm-hmm. Like I know Trey Lance, playing Trey Lance is limiting because he's a rookie quarterback and you're probably not sure. going to win a Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback but just his skill set allows you to do so much more. And so that's the issue
1: I've always had is that it creates another problem when yeah. you have number matches in the box, when you have an 11th guy to worry about. Yeah. How about that fourth down
2: where, where Jimmy Garoppolo ran a zone read on fourth and one and the Niners actually caught a break with Alex Mack's illegal snap. Unbelievable. Would they get like 30 or 40 yards out of that something like instead that. of getting stopped for a five-yard loss or they got, <laughs> they, got they, to they took the penalty because there's a dead ball foul and then got to punt the ball away yeah
1: just and that's another thing like the alex Mack just dropped snap <laughs> like he just had the ball on his hand and just, just like fumbled he
2: he might have just had no faith in the play call which i think was correct uh-huh. <laughs> so he was like let's take a dead ball foul here let's not yeah, let's we'll not just, yeah. risk a, a jimmy garoppolo having to run a zone read <laughs> <laughs> which we saw just did savvy, not savvy
1: savvy vet move <laughs> and after all that they still almost figured out a way to get in the end zone because trent shurfield was open oh, yeah. on the fourth down pass it got batted down
2: also tom compton not good
1: he's bad
2: i don't know I, I I'm curious to know the reasoning behind playing Tom Compton over Jalen Moore. Maybe it's a running. Game. I know Tom Compton has been pretty good in the running game, but Tom Compton and pass pro is a problem. And that's no surprise. Like anybody who watched training camp and Tom Compton playing tackles, like, okay, I'd, like we were just about everybody who covers the team was pretty surprised. Tom Compton even made the final cuts. Yeah. And so the fact that he's starting at right tackle and just winds up on his ass.
1: On the Carlos
2: Dunlap on that safety
1: is just on the safety. I don't I don't think I've ever seen a starting tackle get blown up that badly that quickly. Yeah, wasn't great. It was like he had the wrong snap count or something. And just yeah, wasn't I mean, ready. For it might the... have
2: been noisy, you know. Like I, I don't want to I want to give offensive linemen a little bit of benefit sure. of the doubt in those situations in Seattle. But in he got wrecked. But yeah, Tom Compton, I'm, that's if Jalen Moore can't beat out Tom Compton, I think that's problematic. And I think Jalen Moore is the 49ers'
1: fifth best offensive lineman, and I'm surprised <laughs> that he's not playing. And if he's not, and Aaron Banks can't play, and Dialmador Lenore can't play. And Amory Thomas can't play. <laughs> and Trey Lance can't play.
3: And well, at least Sermon Elijah wasn't Mitchell playing.
1: Can play. Elijah Mitch is a good player, though. Oh boy. Talanoa Hufanga yeah. played a lot today. He's a nice player. Good player. Um you want to do pick six? Let's do it. drop uh, that. Okay. Dude Chick, Tyler, do the thing. Tyler, do it. 49ers. All right, pick six. Chris, you <laughs> you went hipster this week. And my picks weren't good. Yours were less good. I just didn't. I mean, I wanted to be a hipster. You, homie.
2: There's like, you know. I, I don't like I've been called a hipster. I don't consider myself a hipster, but like there are things about me that are hipster. But oh, yeah, for this, sure. your this, glasses just reek of double I IPAs. mean yeah I know I have glasses I like craft beer I have a French bulldog <laughs> there are a lot of like the yoga thing like whatever I'm fine with that but this was like uh... the yoga guy <laughs> this was more about like all right how many different times can we just chalk it up and do like Nick Bosa George Kittle Debo Samuel every week and then explain why we think they're going to be good it's like they're, they're not as best no it's sure. a good so point I, and I... that's
1: why we have to workshop the bit in the off season.
2: Yeah, we need to figure out a way to make it a little bit. Maybe do it like you can over like six games. You can only pick players once.
1: Sure. I said in the off season, but if we want to yeah. do it now, that's cool. Yeah. too. Anyway, yeah. we could figure it out.
2: <laughs> but I just my reasoning for going super hipster on these picks. I, I'm just shake starting. up the
1: bit. Yeah, just shaking it up. Nothing's on the line right now, and that's fine. So let's talk about it. I took Elijah Mitchell first. He had 22 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. He's fine. See- was he the best pick? Yeah. Either of us made. Yeah. By, I think a wide margin Yeah, and he was fine. His three yards of carry were the second worst of his career. He had two and a half yards of carry and Philly had 17 carries for 42 yards in that game back in week two. Um, but not, I have a hard time putting a lot of this on him yeah. because he was just running into stacked boxes and, um, that's a, that's a tough thing to, to run on in the NFL. So Elijah Mitchell was fine. My first pick was Charlie Warner who played, he played football. I'm curious to see
2: how many snaps of football he played, but um, yeah, I, it was mostly cause like, Oh, Charlie Warner has been kind of a nice, you know, a good blocker and he's highly graded among all tight ends, according to PFF. I think he entered the weekend as the eighth highest graded tight end in the. Yeah, you league, had stats, which is wild. Um, well, they weren't stats; they were just grades. But he had grades,
1: uh, numbers, analytics, data.
2: I think he had an off or a false start penalty today. Mm-hmm. That happened, and I think that was the only time I noticed that Charlie Warner was on the field.
1: I was fully expecting a couple plays where he got into the second level, and I was going to be like, "Oh man, that's a good pick."
2: I was, you know, there, there
1: would be a few like explosive Elijah Mitchell runs. And then I could mm-hmm. be like, look at Charlie Warner's block. I was waiting. I, <laughs> I was waiting on maybe like a, like a nice third down conversion from him or something, but nope, nothing yeah, didn't happen. Uh, my next pick was Brandon Ayuk. I thought he'd have a huge game. He didn't three catches, 55 yards. Most of those came in the last drive. Um, disappointing game for my youth to say the least it's yeah. six targets he dropped two, a screen pass two
2: drops the last one it came on the last drive right it didn't did it yeah. kill the
1: 49ers no i mean not was it no. the last drive or was it earlier than that no it was the last drive
2: okay so i mean they got in range in the
1: last drive despite that drop on which dude that's a catch like i know it's not by the rules but it should uh okay. He secured it, went got 2 feet down, went to the ground, hit the ground and then the ball comes out. That should be a catch. Not just for Ayuk, but for they need to change the rule. By rule it was no catch, but it should be. Okay. Anyways, Ayuk had a disappointing game.
2: Oh, it led to a punt early in the fourth Did quarter. It? Yeah, that was not the last drive. It was the second last drive.
1: Boy, that game was just a mess in my brain. That game was like 2020.
2: There were yeah, there were a lot matter. of things that happened in that game where it's like hard to remember the exact sequencing. But yeah, they um they punted because that that was a third down catch incomplete. And then Seattle went down the length of the field and then had the Gerald Everett mm, fumble and right. then the 49ers got the ball back.
1: Um really wild by the way that that they elected to not kick a field goal to go up ten with like a minute and a half left
2: p carroll's just all over the place he is
1: an interesting guy
2: he's all over i mean it he like picks the wrong time to be like well the 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 you know analytics guys say we should we yeah we're on fourth down it's like no no not there <laughs>
1: you go up 10 against yeah, an offense that 10. can't move the ball against you right yeah it was that was
2: I get it. Like, Analytics I mean, say three and eight. So I, I kind of get like, let's go for the jugular here. And they were like half a yard from
1: go up two scores with ninety seconds left. Analytics. I wouldn't have given it to Gerald Everett, though. No. <laughs> I get the I get the the what they were trying to do. Like, hey, you fumbled and you've dropped a touchdown that led to an interception, but hey, here's a nice, easy shovel pass. All you gotta do is turn the corner and get in the end zone. And then he fumbled. Yeah. Nice play by Aziz Shire, by the way, getting a hat on the ball. Yep. Fourth pick, Aziz uh, Shire undrafted, undrafted in this pick six. Incredible game, sixteen um, tackles.
2: So with the fourth overall pick, uh, your boy took Lakin Tomlinson. Boy, did he! He had a holding penalty that a lot of people didn't like. I didn't catch a good replay of it. Um,
1: it was pretty ticky tack.
2: Yeah. Also, can we just stop complaining about not not legit, you, dude? But just no, like, go, people. Go it's it's there's no bigger sign of a loser mentality
1: than complaining about officials. You can critique like, an official for sure, yeah, yeah. but you're gonna say what I'm gonna say, so go ahead.
2: If if your takeaway from this game is that the Niners got screwed by the officials. My retort would be the Niners got screwed by interceptions, allowing a touchdown on special teams in a one-score game, mm-hmm. uh, fumbling a kickoff, uh, allowing a touchdown in a minute and 30 seconds. Like, having Did bad you mention corners. the fake punt touchdown? Yes, I did. Okay. Having bad corners. Like, there, you can quibble with calls, but so many things happen in football games that unless it's the NFC championship game from 2018, like just stop complaining about refs. Like stop. And George Kittle (laughs) said after the game, he's like, we can't complain about refs. We just need to play better.
1: When you're complaining about a non-PI call in the end zone with 30 seconds left of a game where you haven't scored yet in the second half, but you've turned the ball over twice in the second half (laughs) and you're trying to go 98 yards to tie the game after not scoring the entire second half. There's a larger problem than the non-pass interference call on Trent Sherfield. Right. Was so it I'm a going. were there some bad no calls or some bad calls maybe? But I promise they go both ways. They do. Officiating the
2: NFL is generally bad. I'm sure there are some calls Seahawks players and fans were not thrilled about and I'm sure there are calls around the league that people weren't happy about. Bad calls happen. Stop focusing you on sound like mike zimmer seven.
1: from last week i do no oh okay <laughs> people complaining about the officials <laughs> i was like i feel like
2: i'm saying the you sound opposite like of what no mike you Zimmer's sound saying. like mike zimmer
1: when you do that Yeah. yeah. he's like those guys hold every play and until they get called on it they're not gonna do it and george kittle's like maybe focus on making better plays yeah. that's the which same is what thing he said basically here.
2: what he said after the seahawks yeah. game too um anyway i went on that rant to cover up the fact that uh my draft my first two draft picks were charlie warner and Lakin tomlinson
1: yeah so i'm gonna miss it's fine uh (laughs) i took jacquaski tart fifth overall with my third pick Mm. um he played got hurt but he came back yeah um not many splash plays, I don't think. No, so. I thought Kowalski. there would be a splash player too, and I just didn't didn't get one. He was involved on the DK Metcalf 33 yard catch. Probably got there a step or two late. Um he had a nice tackle early in the game. Well, third down stop, but yeah. Yeah. Unspectacular game from, from our guy Kwaski.
2: Last pick, uh, six overall, Juwan Jennings. I loved this pick. And these were all sort of based on the thinking that the Niners would be able to run the ball today right. and they would get nice blocking performances from these guys. Um, I will say, did Juwan Jennings have the block of the game for the 49ers on George Kittle's 48 yard touchdown at the end of the second quarter when he sealed the edge? I think it was DJ Reed, even former 49er mm. allowing George Kittle an, an alley up the sideline after breaking a tackle from Bobby Wagner to score that I touchdown. That
1: you're selling this.
2: What I'm, was it the block of the season? <laughs> people are saying people are, That's everybody's telling me that that was the best block of the season. No, I mean, it was, you know, Jennings had a, had a good block on that play. Um, He had a good block on another George Kittle reception that set up Elijah Mitchell's
1: touchdown in the, when was that in the first quarter?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um Had a good stiff arm on DJ Reed on his one catch. Yeah. Great stiff so, arm. Some people are saying stiff arm of the season. Right. Some people are saying it's the best stiff arm they've ever seen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that's that was Juwan Jennings. So let's let's recap here. You had who Elijah scored a touchdown. Mitchell. I had Charlie Warner, you had Brandon Ayuk, I had Lakin <laughs> Tomlinson, you had Jaquaski Tart, and I had Juwan Jennings quite easily, and this shouldn't be a surprise because we didn't go chalk. But quite right. easily, the worst pick six we've had.
1: Yes. Unequivocally. Like, really
2: bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. I mean, we, we just had to switch it up.
1: No, I like it. It's George Kittle went undrafted. We talked about that because you threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe George
2: Kittle listened to the pod. Friend of the pod, by the way. Maybe Friend George Kittle listened to the pod found out that he was undrafted. Right. And was and like, then, give me the ball. Yeah,
1: just stuck it to us. It was, it was pretty jarring, though, just given how um, limited his use has been this year. Seeing him just be George Kittle again, nine and a buck 81 and two touchdowns and that sick touchdown where he tiptoed the sideline. Yeah. It was just a really like punch in the face reminder of like, oh, yeah, he's arguably the best pass catching tight end in football. Because we yeah. hadn't really seen it this year. One thing
2: that I've noticed about Kyle Shanahan's offense is that very rarely do multiple pass catchers have big games the same day. It's usually one guy. Like the running games, what I, like you can get big running game performances, but it's usually like Debo Samuel has 120 yards on eight catches or George Kittle has 180 yards on Nine catches, whatever, whatever you had today. Mm-hmm. But like those things never happen at the same time. It feels like, right. and maybe that's just a product of being so run heavy and run focused. But it, it, I have noticed that it doesn't seem like, like off the top of my head. Do you remember a game where the Niners have had two pass catchers with a hundred receiving yards in the same game? Not that that happens a lot throughout the league. I'm just. It doesn't seem like it happens
1: with Kyle Shanahan's not offense. Even, not even 200-yard receivers, but just like, wow, those two receivers had good games. Right. It's always sort
2: of like – like Brandon Ayuk last week seems like a classic example, right? Like somebody else goes off, Debo goes off or whatever, and then Ayuk has like three catches for 80 yards. Sort of a complimenting rule. Like it seems like part of Kyle Shanahan's game planning is is finding one guy, getting him the looks, getting him you know the matchups, and then just kind of going to that well over and over again.
1: Yeah, I think so. But
2: I'm uh, not a scheme lord like Kyle Shanahan. So I'm not going to like critique it, say it's a bad thing, but it just seems like it's. It
1: is it is interesting because you have and guys it's... capable. Like
2: Brandon Ike, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle all feel like they can go over 100 yards in any given week.
1: Yeah. But it's I only... think part of that is driven by quarterback play too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But. Anyway, six and six. are pick to six, Cincinnati. How many? How many times about as
1: well as uh, the Niners did?
2: Over under on how many podcasts or just anybody in general are going to say on to Cincinnati over the next? Can
1: week. we title our episode that? <laughs> and get out in front of this.
2: <laughs> be the only ones.
1: We need to be out in front. I do this I, awesome I do write...
2: hilarious bit. Should I? Should I call it on to Cincinnati?
1: nah okay
2: yeah I, I, I want to be kind of like it, it would be a good bit if you've made it this far to the pod and you listen to it and it's on to Cincinnati like that might make you laugh maybe but if you just see on to Cincinnati you're like
1: everybody's saying that <laughs> <laughs> and just make it sound like and just make it sound like we're like yeah it's fine <laughs> moving on yeah moving on that was that was decompressing for a second here the weirdest football game I've watched maybe ever. Like, I'm literally going back through, trying to go back through it in my head right now. And I couldn't tell you what happened when it was, did it, go, did it go Travis Benjamin fumble, Gerald Everett, kick, save interception safety. Yes. What the hell kind of sequence is that in an NFL football game? I mean, somebody
2: Trent Cannon had to be taken off the field via ambulance on the first snap. And he's he had a concussion. Oh, yeah, an he's, update. Yeah, yeah. He's um so he's staying overnight in Seattle at a hospital Sunday night. Um, but he has feeling in his extremities and all that and movement. He's so he's he's got a concussion, but that's the worst of it. So that's relatively good news considering what it could have been. But mm-hmm. like, it just speaks to the weirdness of the game. And the Niners and Seahawks only play weird games. And in hindsight, it's not surprising given you know the the two games in 2019 were completely batshit nuts Mm -hmm. like you had chase mclaughlin kicking a field goal 40 yards wide left in overtime that would have won the 49ers a game after like chakwaski tart forced like the most miraculous fumble takeaway of his career that prevented the seahawks from scoring a touchdown i think right before halftime in that game
1: yeah he stripped dk mecca then yeah, the, there was Dre the, Greenlaw near pick six. The Dre
2: Greenlaw interception in overtime was crazy. And then uh, the didn't 2019... Jimmy Garoppolo
1: have a fumble returned for a touchdown by Jadavian Clowney. Oh, that yeah. Happened.
2: And DeForest Buckner had one. Yes. It was like, didn't <laughs> Russell Wilson fumble? Then the offensive lineman picked it up. And didn't somebody strip him? I think I Fred think, Warner I, stripped I, yeah. him and then DeForest Buckner scored a touchdown. I,
1: can't, I couldn't tell you
2: but that's what tw- but the 27 or the 2019 week 17 game was a great game but wasn't all that weird like there wasn't yeah, a was bunch just of a weird stuff game. that happened but this mm-hmm. was like ultimate weird shit yeah which is classic seahawks kevin clark has gotten so much burn out of that tweet where he says the seahawks have never played and he had a fantastic a fantastic gif that he quotes he tweeted it with today. you're
1: a gif guy
2: i i'm i'm impartial. oh
1: boy this is a schism there's a fracture in our relationship now
2: you mean chasm
1: what did i say Schism. schism
2: yeah schism works okay fine <laughs> um i'm not impartial like i just started saying gif i don't know you say gif is, is gif important to you
1: yeah very much so okay i'm a big hard g guy Schism, a splitter division between strongly opposed selections or parties caused by differences in opinion or belief. That's us. Fine. I'm not We're having, strong, a I'm not really strongly. Opposed. Candle schism chronicle.
2: <laughs> You're much, much more strongly opposed than I am. Um, but anyway, yeah, this, the Niners Seahawks games are always crazy. It feels like, and seeing how the, the chiefs Broncos game went, it seemed pretty boring wonder if the nfl regrets uh flexing it out
1: there's definitely there's definitely someone who pounded the table for chiefs broncos who got a lot of texts in the group chat today (laughs) (laughs) yeah but anyway anyway let's get out of here let's get on to cincinnati we're we're on to cincinnati (laughs) all right normal normal week this week we'll have a midweek pod we'll have a uh, preview pod at the end of the week weird game I think we're gonna probably continue digesting this one for a while, but uh, but we'll have we'll have a normal normal pod schedule for you this week. Pod coming out Wednesday, pod coming out Friday, and a subscribe, rate, review, do all that jazz. We appreciate it. Let's get out of here.